my name is Nick Cardi. I'm joined here with Nick Cardi. I'm going with Nick Cardi. Name your, your podcast Coffee with Cardi. And you don't like coffee. I hate it. Cardi knows how to stir the pot. Fun times are going to be had, as always. I think Cardi is phenomenal. Dude, I'm going for this. And I look, and who's standing next to me in my left? Nick Cardi. <laughs> he is the best igniter. I would have been pissed at me, too. He stands his ground. Our winner tonight is Nick Cardi. I'm just like, you have to be kidding me. He has a good voice. You'll say it's a very Nick Cardi thing. Ready? All right, let's do it. Welcome back, everyone. This is indeed Coffee with Cardi. Been a minute, but uh, we're back. I want to, you know, I was thinking that Rhode Island basketball started, so I definitely wanted to talk some roadie hoops. And I thought, who better to bring in than the Mona Lisa Vito of Rhode Island basketball, Mr. Stone Freeman? Wow. The Mona Lisa Vito, huh? That is uh, a high high honor. High praise. I don't know if I'm there yet. I just think I'm heavily obsessed with an Atlantic 10 basketball program that is in the smallest state in the country. And I just so happened to be a 23-year-old that vastly loves the running Rams. So, But thank you. you. I appreciate it. Of course. You think about it. You've spent what? All in all, seven years at URI? This is my... Okay, so I won't get too technical. Technically, though, like like officially, mm-hmm. it's my sixth year as a student. So when I was at the game against Seton Hall, that was my my fifth straight opening night. I told you the story last night off the air. My freshman year, I actually didn't go to opening night yeah. because I had to go to a hockey game and cover for WRU. That was part of putting in my my uh, you represent. Know, yeah, yeah, WRU. That's right. And we and I had to put in my uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dues, pay your dues. dues. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. to pay my. Yep. So I did the hockey game that night, and that was the night E.C. Matthews. Or his ACL. So I actually eight minutes in. Yeah. So in terms, of, they won that game though. So really, uh, in terms of the last six years, uh, I'm pretty sure we won every home opener that I've been in attendance for. My my, my senior yeah. year, I think they blew out Bryant. Last mm-hmm. year, who was the home opener last year? Um, the win. Dave's second year. Because Dave's first year was Bryant. Then Hurley played. Actually, no. You know what? My junior year, I wasn't there for US, uh, UNC, UNC Asheville. Asheville yeah. I wasn't there. I was interning for Channel 6, and I was at Portsmouth High School on what was, I'm going to just guess here, but the coldest November, um, first Friday of November ever. It was mm-hmm. freezing at Portsmouth High School. So cold that Nick Coy only sent me to that game. That's besides the point. We're not talking about that. But I do yeah, remember well, the UNC Asheville game, though. Yeah. Macy Teague, who lit it up for Baylor, was on that team. Had 12 mm-hmm. points in that game. And they were lost. good. They were coming off a tournament appearance. Yes, they were supposed to win the conference again, and they didn't. But that was part of Hurley's mastermind scheme when RPI still matters, where even their cupcake games were just going to be teams that were picked to, to win the conference. And it worked pretty well for them. But this is my sixth year at URI. I give myself, though, two years prior to that in terms of where I followed religiously, and that's because my sister was a, was a first-year student at URI, my older okay. sister Ingrid. She got to URI in 2013. Uh, that was Hurley's... I think it was his second year, and they were okay. They won seven games Hurley's first year, I think, which they weren't very good. And then Hurley's second year, they were okay. And then his third year, my senior year in high school, is the NIT year where they beat Nebraska at home, lost to Kansas at Disney World. Well, you spent – so we'll call it an even seven? Yeah. Okay. Oh, screw it. Yeah, screw it. <laughs> so seven out of 23 years, that's like 30 – that's what, like – it's a long time. I'm thirty percent of your life at URI. I'm, get, I'm getting old. That's why if, I know you. This is a podcast, so you won't see me. That's why I'm wearing a beanie now. To oh, you'll see it. I put out the video. Oh, excellent, superb. Great yeah, I'm glad you. you dressed up for me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, th- th- it's a podcast. 
And yeah, but I it's 2020, to- multiple 20. platforms, multiple channels. Yeah, but if, but listen, I it, me as a listener, okay, I okay. want podcasts is what I do with the two. There's two times I listen to podcasts at the gym and when I drive. That's about it. Like I'm not a type of guy that sits down to do my homework and has a podcast going in the background. No, that's the music time. Mm-hmm. At the gym, it's it's largely when you have to do cardio when you get bored. Yeah, you know, when you're lifting weights, yeah, you might want to get something that can gas you up a little bit more. But like when oh, I'm, I'm- like. I'm pumping weights here in Stone Freeman's yeah. voice, getting oh, going. Yeah. I mean, that's there's a lot of people in that, but I, I listen to like uh, people don't know this about me. I'm a big history guy too. I love history, you so don't. I'm a big Crime Town guy. So I listen to a lot of like uh, my parents, of course, work at the ACI in Cranston and Warwick, and uh, I mean in Cranston in Rhode Island. And my grandfather, that's that, if you can tell the scenery that I'm in, I'm in my grandma's spare bedroom because the Wi-Fi reception is better. Um, but my grandpa worked at the ACI for a while, so I love the old old school. Um, mobster stories from Federal Hill into the Whitey Bulger and stuff like that. So I listen to a lot of that crap. This has nothing to do with Rhode Island basketball, but now you know a little bit. I said I wanted to keep like half hour. There's, I, I a half hour? Okay, let's get to that. No, we're, there's no time. Don't let it constrain okay. you. Okay. Um, we'll go all night. All right, so like I did say, I did want to – Rhode Island finally kicked off basketball for the first time since okay. seems like forever. Yep. Um, and they hit the ground running five games, eight days uh, – great time in bubbleville come back home so stone i know you know how to do this so what if you could give a headline for the first five games of the 2021 season for the rams what would it be i think that the headline is is something to do with um you know almost i I almost want to cop out and, and and give you the lead because it gives me a little bit more freedom. Go for it. The, the lead is something to do with, um, you know, Rhode Island wasted, just like you said, they wasted no time. The running Rams hit the ground, literally and metaphorically running. They yeah. play five games in two states, um, but they did it right. They did, and when I say right, you know, I, I think, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to scheduling this year. I don't mm-hmm. think there's a right or wrong answer on how to handle the coronavirus because this is such a big topic. But I think what Dave Cox did, like there's a lot of people holding this Boston College game that got canceled for, we're recording Friday. It's supposed to, yep. they were supposed to play again against Boston College tonight. There's a lot of people that, like BC got blown out by Florida last night at mm-hmm. Bubbleville. That's supposedly the reason why they didn't want to play again on Friday because they just played on Thursday. They'd have to travel home and host a game on Friday. It makes sense why Boston college probably doesn't want to play this game. And sources are saying or whatever. I saw Bill Koch and John Rothstein both got it, that they're, they're going to play the return game. So the home and home is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's the lead that, that I would, that I would present to you in a world where nothing is certain. Somehow Rhode Island managed to play five basketball games they don't exactly have a bad loss. The Boston College loss that they did end up playing them might end up in the long run being a bad loss. But at the time, it's a neutral site game. You learn from that. You, in my opinion, get two quality wins, one at home against Seton Hall, one on a neutral court against San Francisco, and a learning game against South Florida. You beat three teams by double digits. So mm-hmm. some, something to do. this lead has something to do with, I think, the team's a little bit better than we thought in a time frame that nobody has any clue what's going mm-hmm. on. Right, because going into and also on Boston College, it is a power five team, so sure. it the, the the floor is low for yeah. how bad of a loss it can be. But like, I mean, I listened to your podcast with Jack O'Mara. Yeah, um, definitely, everyone should go listen to that. But you were saying nobody knew what this team was going to look like going into Arizona State. They could win by ten, they could lose by twenty, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of 
you know, my personal views was they're better than I thought they would have been, you know, because when you get so many new pieces, it takes a second, it takes a game or two to, you know, click. But I mean, they put up 88 points. The fouls are the one thing that you can see in the first two games that have been a little problem, but it's getting cleaned up. But I think it's a very good, um, good sign for coach Cox that they're this composed, this well put together five games into a COVID season. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think what, what you're alluding to though, um, you know, you, you talk about there's stuff that's going to get worked out. I, mm-hmm. I think in the Arizona state game, the offense was clearly there, right? Yeah. There was no question. I thought the big men play needed some work because first Jermaine was out that game. Yeah. And second, the Mitchell twins really did not look too, too strong. I thought Antoine Walker looked superb. The most yeah. athletic man on the court, uh, at least for Rhode Island's sake. Um, I think, I think there are some crazy athletes on Arizona State. Mm. So I, I, I won't go as far as to say, you know, at season's end, Antoine Walker was the best player on the court. But I think in the game, he had a couple of those putback dunks. There was that yeah. one where Fats kind of left it up for him. And he, it looked like the ball was underneath the hoop. Like yeah, I really that was don't know crazy. And he two, two-handed it out from underneath and flushed it home. Um, but I think in that game, you know, you look at that and you have to learn, but you don't have much time to learn because you're playing the next day. Mm -hmm. And it's not a tournament. It is a tournament in terms of you end up playing a winner or a loser and there's a champion somebody gets, but it's not a tournament in the sense of, oh, we lost today, so we go home. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you're looking at Boston College as a gassed up opportunity. Then you get sucker punched, really. You lose a game that you, at at season's end, you're probably gonna look back and say, damn, we should have won that game. Mm -hmm. Now you have no choice but to play well. And the USF game, they hit the, um, the first USF game against South Florida. Yeah. They hit their free throws. I didn't think South Florida played nearly as well as I think they're going to be. I don't think they're a great team, but I know they're, they're a good team. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't play well. That, that kid Murphy with the crazy hair is like their highest recruit in school history. So he's going to turn it on. Uh, Alexis Etna, who got hurt last year, missed all of last year, uh, did not play his best game. Then I see him play against Virginia Tech, and he looked pretty good. Then the San Francisco game was another big one. Like, yeah. I mean, you you took a game, a team that had just, and I know it's the butterfly effect, but you took a team that beat Villanova, and then you beat the, I mean, beat Virginia, and then mm-hmm. you beat the snot out of them. Yeah. And they're a team that live or dies by the three, but they, but hey, you made them die by the three. You played good defense, and against Seton Hall, it was the same thing. Seton Hall, not exactly perimeter defense because they don't play that type of basketball. They pound the interior. They average 37 points per game. You, uh, I think they tied and rebounded. You outblocked them eight to one. Um, you forced more turnovers than them. You, their, their pace as a team is, I think, their greatest asset right now. They've won, uh, I think, in every game but Arizona State, they've won the fast break margin. So they're active. They're long. They're defense to offense. And, and I think – I think there's some stuff that needs to get worked on, but through five games, it's it's tough to find a glaring hole. Everybody was pissed at the free throws, and I understand that, and they quickly shut that argument yeah. down with South Florida and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's that's just how it is. So I think in, in a roundabout way, I think there's a lot of stuff that this team's learning, and that's what you should do. It's just normally you have two or three weeks because you have full weeks of practice in between games. Or not full weeks, but you get to scout one day. You get to practice one day. You mm-hmm. get the off day. And then you play or whoever these college teams are doing their schedule. You don't have that this year. You yeah. played four games in five days. You went two and two. And then you came home and you beat um, outside Arizona State, the top quality opponent that you've had so far. And it doesn't get easier, though, because now Western Kentucky moves. Yeah, Western Kentucky, we'll get into that in a little bit. But, again, Arizona State, too, you look back and 
you know, I, me watching it, if they have Fats Russell, they have, I think they could, they win that game because Fats really is the, I guess, the engine behind this offense, especially the first game, just his, obviously his scoring, but his assist ability. And I mean, you didn't have anyone on the court that logged minutes the year prior other than Antoine Walker. So it, it, they was, they were put in a tough position there losing Fats. But I mean, like you said, they, they cleaned it up really well. Um, and then to beat Seton Hall on your home court, it sucked that obviously for the Ryan Center and everyone that the atmosphere wasn't there. But still, a double-digit win over a Big East team that is experienced and matters. well coached, it, yeah, it matters. Matters. It does. It does. And and I think a win is a win. You know, for for or a loss is a loss, right? So you lose to mm-hmm. Arizona State, right? Um, I think you're right about that. I think it proved to me in that final stretch that even though he hasn't been like he's been money from the free throw line. Yeah. Um, but he really, his shooting percentages haven't been facts like yet. Right. I mean, they're not, they're not bad, but they're not great. They're um, 36% from the field, 28 yeah. from three. Like, like you want those higher for a yep. guy that is supposed to be your top scorer, a top player in the Atlantic 10 conference. His defense is still elite though. He had four steals against Seton Hall. Yep. Um, but what it proved to me was that his just presence on the court matters. Um, but you know, where again, I don't hold it against him, but I think even as a senior, he has some learning to do. You can't get three fouls in the first half. You just can't. So as much as it's as, as that fifth foul was kind of ticky tack and it's really aggravating and he played the entire second half without a foul, it seemed until that moment, you can't, or did he have four in the first half? He had four. He He played the whole second half for that one. you can't. You can be eager. You can. Be, there's a lot of referees that are coming into games knowing the type of basketball you play because mm-hmm. they've had you now for four years. But like you, we're going to see when we get into some of these A10 games with Crutcher and Goodwin and Gilbert. Yeah. I mean, Gilbert. I mean, these guys are. There's going to be touch fouls, you mm-hmm. know, because they're so handsy. I get that, but you have to be disciplined as a senior, and I know he is disciplined. But that, to me, was the was you know we've been itching so long to play. You don't exactly have jitters. You're too excited. Yeah. You get too active, and then you find yourself in four fouls. But to Coach Cox's credit, he rode him until that final foul in the in mm-hmm. the second half. That's what you have to do in that situation. And you're right. I, I think with him down the stretch, they probably win that game. But you can't ignore the fact that the team was still down at one point, like 16 in the first half. Yeah. And he's on the bench for that run, mm-hmm. right? Because he's got too many fouls. So the ball, it's it's a double-edged sword. In one breath, you want to say, yeah, they need him, right? Because him off the floor, they don't play as well. But the other side of it is, it was foul trouble. It wasn't an injury, right? It mm-hmm. was he needs to be more disciplined to be able to play, you know, a full, not 40 minutes, but a, a full game that a guard is going to play in a big-time game. And I think just to show the, um, the, the four fouls in the first half was a specialty of mine in rec basketball. But that's right. I was too aggressive, yes, but to show the um, to show the the measuring stick of growth, you go from Arizona State to Seton Hall, where Fats only had he had seventeen at the end of the game, but he had twelve. He had a couple late buckets that in fun time. But yeah. again, you show how much that Rhode Island has come along in this short span, where they don't need him to drop his twenty a game to win. Yeah, I think you're right, and I want to tell you. Uh, I don't have the exact step, but I looked this up. You know, not only has this team in five days come a long way, but I look at Coach Cox and I look at, at, at how the team has played in particular to start the season in all of last year and to really end Dave's first year yeah. when they went on that tear. You know, I looked this up too. 
last year, and now this year, granted, it's a small sample size. Since that, like, remember when they lost, like, six straight at the end of 2019? Yeah. And then they won five straight, and then obviously you lose to uh, St. Bonaventure in the tournament. But since that stretch where they lost whatever, five or six games, they haven't lost more than two games in a row. They have a couple back-to-back losses, but other than that, all of last year, even though it got asinine towards the end of the year and they didn't look like the Rhode Island that we saw in January or February, um, they still have had some type of system in play where they're not getting too beat up over over stuff, right? And I think that was, again, it's a small sample size, but that's what those first four games in five days proved was that, no, no, no. Listen, San Francisco didn't get any easier. Like, I think a lot of people saw that game and went, well, looks like that win against Virginia was a fluke. No, they went on it. They blew out Nevada on the road, their next, yeah. their next game. Like, I mean, they're a good team. That, again, granted, they might live or die by the three. But I saw a lot of similarities with them with a lot of teams that Rhodey's going to see in the A-10 this year. I thought that team could compete in the Atlantic 10. Mm-hmm. Not a team I think I'm going to pick to finish in the top half of the ACC. But, like, yeah, I, th- I think that team is going to be just fine in a conference like the A-10 or the American. And granted, i got to give respect to the West Coast Conference. Th- they might be the fourth best team in that league and still have a chance at the NCAA tournament. That's yeah. how good Gonzaga obviously has proved itself, I mean, <laughs> over the last 20 years to begin with, but also St. Mary's and BYU. I mean, that is, that is a great college basketball um, conference, and they put themselves in a very vulnerable spot, as Rhode Island did, by coming across the country and mm-hmm. playing – I think they played four games too, right? They played Virginia, they yeah. played Rhode Island, they played Towson – and there was one more, but they played four games in five days, and then they blew out Nevada. And there, that'll be a good win at the end of the day. You want that win. Mm-hmm. And then back to your point about Coach Cox. Yeah, you said they. I just looked it up quickly. He's nineteen and six in a ten games, so through two years, nineteen and six. Yeah, he lost five of them in a row his first year. So he is, I think, a very good adjustment coach, and definitely that first year has, you know, you have to do that sort of. You have to go through your growing yeah. pains. You're not going to win every. So, yeah, I think I mean, I, I'm not going to go out on a, like there's a lot of people that love this conversation because they don't like that Hurley left for UConn and it's and it's, you know, oh, well, well, Cox is the best. No, no, no I'm not even saying I this is I was talking about this the other day because I, I, I still think it aggravated me during the Arizona State game. Right. During the Arizona State game, I said it on my podcast. Hurley's blueprint was not there, mm-hmm. but his fingerprints were everywhere. Yeah. It was here's Dave Cox, who is Dan Hurley's replacement. Here's Bobby Hurley, who's Dan Hurley's brother. Danny Hurley now coaches in Connecticut, the University of Connecticut. Dan Hurley is, I mean, personally one of you know the nicest, kindest human beings mm-hmm. to me in this professional setting. But also at the coaching level, he deserves everything that he's getting. But yeah. for Dave Cox's sake, we have to come to some type of consensus here that this is no longer Hurley's team. It's mm-hmm. not. You know, it's program over coach at this point, right? This is the University of Rhode Island. Dave Cox is leading it. And I do. I, th- I mean, I think last year they needed some help in Brooklyn. They did mm-hmm. not help themselves down the stretch last year. Yeah. But last year was as good of a coaching performance as a second-year head coach can do, if not as good of a coaching performance as any head coach can mm-hmm. do. Borderline, I mean, they were a top three team in the Atlantic 10. Um, coming off of a year that you don't exactly lose much. So the expectations were kind of high. You had two seniors, you had Fats Russell, but if you look at the shooting totals from Dave's first year, yeah. in comparison to what his team did in its second year, I mean, I mean, I, it's, and maybe, maybe it's just, be, I'm, I'm gassed 
I'm gassed the F up right now. Like I, lo- I put this in our group chat the other day. I just love URI basketball, but like I, Doesn't. I go and I go, man, and this is, this is where all my A-10 brethren can, you know, get on my back. I think the coaching and uh, granted the, the play this year is going to be great, yeah. but I think the coaching is, is just elite with the mm-hmm. exception of Fordham. I, I don't know. If, and I don't know if that's Jeff Newbauer's fault. I think that's just, yeah. uh, but that's always a nice disclaimer. That's just a disclaimer on everything. At yes, Atlantic 10. Yes. And I don't think it's Jeff. I really don't blame Jeff Newbauer. Yeah. I think he could be a better coach, but I don't think he's a bad coach. I think Fordham is just that difficult of a job. Mm-hmm. That's besides the point. I mean, we had this question pop up in our group chat the other day. Do you hate Dayton? Am I honest to, to God answer is I really don't. I really no. don't hate Dayton. I really like Anthony Grant. I mean, how can, okay, they waxed us twice last year, right? <laughs> but I mean, I really don't, I really don't hate them. I don't yeah. hate VCU. I didn't like VCU under Will Wade because I just, it, Will Wade gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> and Archie Miller kind of has this like, I don't know. There's just something about yeah. it that I don't like. Yeah. But Anthony Grant, I like. Mike Rhodes, mm-hmm. in terms of coaches, too. I think Chris Mooney has proved himself. I think Anthony Grant has done more than proved himself. I think Mike Rhodes is a great head coach. I even think Matt McCall was a perfect hire for UMass. Yeah. Because I think what happens at these mid-major levels, and I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I think at these mid-major levels, there's a lot of these schools, i.e. Iona, that go out and try to do something bizarre. Yeah. And they try to get some proven head coach. Granted, that can work, right? Like Anthony Grant isn't exactly – I mean, he's coached the Power Five. He's not a young, like Matt McCall yeah. type of head coach. But I would rather these mid-major schools find a guy that has done something at a lower school or has been an assistant at a bigger school and let them come in and build a culture, right? Yeah. And Anthony Grant has, has – I mean, he first of all, he went to Dayton, right? So that yeah. culture is all set. VCU mm-hmm. has its culture. Um, even Travis Ford, who's been in the A-10 before, and I know UMass fans don't like him, but he built his team eerily similar to what Dave's doing now where you got to go out there, you got to get transfers, you got to get people interested, which we've already checked all those boxes. <laughs> now you get some recruiting classes and you find yourself a, 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 a preseason – I shouldn't say favorite because I know Richmond is technically the preseason. Yeah, favorite, right. You're but in the conversation. You're in the conversation to win, and you're in the conversation for an at-large before you even tip off on the first, you know, game of the season. And That's you, where you want to be, and I think most of the programs in the Atlantic Ten have found themselves there. And you look back, just I guess, in the grand scheme of Rhode Island basketball, is Hurley came here, he wanted to build the culture, the yeah. the you know, constantly being there. The when was the last time Rhode Island wasn't in the conversation to win the A10? Well, that's, that's an interesting conversation. You're right. And I, mm-hmm. and I actually wrote, I went back and looked at a ton of my stuff that I wrote during the 2018 season and then my senior year, 2019. Yep. And I wrote something in a column for um, your view in the 2019 season about consistency and how um, this was, remember, again, this year was, was crazy, right? Because when I say crazy, they didn't exactly play well. They lost at home to Stony Brook. But then they take down West Virginia at Mohegan Sun. Granted, yeah. West Virginia wasn't great that year, but they beat them by double digits at Mohegan Sun on a neutral court. I mean, they, they played well. Um, then they went to Hawaii, right? Didn't exactly look too good. Um, the A-10 schedule was up and down. They beat, I think it was VCU at home, and then lost to UMass on the road the next, like, two days yeah. from there. But long story short, where, where, where I was getting to this is, I talked about in this column, and I think it still stands to this day, is that... Rhode Island, and this is where you can again see the Hurley fingerprints that now has become Cox's blueprint, right? You got the culture, right? You're no longer a bottom rung on the Atlantic 10, right? It's, it's going to take a, 
I shouldn't say it because I don't want to speak too far ahead because yeah. we don't know what's going to happen in the world, right? But where Rhode Island is right now, and now there's the donation announcements, there's like $2 million already towards the practice facility, right? They're mm-hmm. moving in the right direction. Yeah. There's a big thing to me that says, you know what? They might not be the favorite to win, right? Because the Dayton's are back. VCU's back, right? Mm-hmm. Um St. Louis, Richmond, really yeah. good teams over these next couple of years. So I don't blame people for thinking, well, Rhode Island might not be the top dog. But Rhode Island has quickly cemented themselves as almost, you can guarantee, they're at least in the top seven in the conference every year. You can at least put them there and feel like it's a pretty safe bet. You know, you, you can look, basically, you know, the, the test is you play them in the Atlantic 10 tournament and it's not just a, oh, we'll get by them. Like no yeah. disrespect, but you say you play a LaSalle, you play a obviously Fordham, George Washington, you feel a little good. But yeah. when you're playing up against the Dayton of ECU, Davidson, you know, you always there's always that potential that the experience and the quote unquote culture come together and prevail. Sure. I mean what what was the year I talked about twenty nineteen? Jack and I went with WRU out to Dayton. A game that Jack and I certainly weren't expecting a win. No many people were expecting one. Yeah. We went out there because it was a random like Tuesday night game and we wanted to go as a senior year and they somehow win that game in overtime. And you just go, okay. Yeah. All right. Like again, that year lacked consistency. This year here, I think mm-hmm. we're, we're due for some type of consistent basketball. I think mm-hmm. you can shoe them in for some type of winning streak. They'll probably do something like where they lose a game. They sh- I mean, listen. But that's college basketball. Fordham has our freaking number, too. I was talking to Bill Koch about this in the bubble. When we were talking, because as much as I want to completely throw shade at Fordham all the time. You can't. In my, I, I've, in my four years as an undergrad at URI, I saw them, my Rams, lose to the Fordham Rams at home twice. Twice, including a year where they only put like 43 points up. And then, well, of course, that started a trend. They lost yeah. Next game, and then they won nine straight, including an eight ten championship and a uh, a trip to Sacramento, California, which is certainly nicer in March than uh, Rhode Island is. That's besides the point. Um, but I do. I think I think they have done a great job building where the culture is there now, and I think Dave has. I was I was, you know what I love making analogies to is the Steelers because as mm-hmm. much as I hate the Steelers, Steelers have had three coaches in like the last few. Yeah. Right, Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower, now Mike Tomlin, right? And I was listening, I think it was the sports hub they brought this up uh, here on Boston Talk Radio, and they said, the Steelers do this thing where they hire a guy that is the CEO, right? Mm-hmm. He's not technically the CEO, right? Like there's yeah. somebody else that's doing the C- but he runs his roster and his team from the practice field to draft night like a CEO of a franchise. That's the, that's what Hurley had here, right? Hurley had the, I mean, forget men's basketball, the whole athletic department in the palm of his hands, right? Because we're not a football school as much no. as I love football. We're not a football school, right? Coach Cox kind of brings the same demeanor, right? Yeah. He, he has a presence, right? And he coaches his way. He does it his way. And if you even look back to his um, educational value, all of his degree, he's got, he's got a master's degree in education. Mm-hmm. Like he cares about, like there's all this stuff, right? But I care about, you know, making good human beings and good young men. That, of course, you've got to believe too. But there's yeah. also this type of um, systematic culture that he's brought where I'm the guy in charge. Like nobody, if you, if you ever notice this, there's nobody really 
there, there doesn't seem like there's many disputes with David Cox, no. right? He brings a presence that is somehow stern, but very approachable. Yes. Very like, and, and I think you saw, you see it in his staff too, right? From, from Kevin Sutton to both Carol's, John and yep. Austin, and now bringing TJ up. I mean, there, there is a true value to the culture in place. And I think I've kind of just been college basketball for outside of blue bloods and power fives. I'm saying in terms of consistent mid-major programs, is my internet unstable? Can you hear me? You cut out for a second, but you're good. Keep going. Uh, in, in good mid-major, high mid-major college basketball teams, you need consistency and it starts with, with a presence at the head coaching position. I think Rhode Island and to the credit of a lot of these A-10 conferences, the A-10 opponents, they're yeah. in the same boat. I really do. Good, good analogy too. You know why? Why is that? Mike Tomlin and David Cox. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know why I don't like that? Because I shouldn't say I don't like that. Yeah. Um, that has become like the Chris Hogan plays lacrosse. Oh, um, yeah. That is true. That is what's true. The, what's the other? Oh, um, Clayton Kershaw and Matt Stafford yep. were on the same Little League team. Um, there, I mean, there's just a lot of yeah. – The horse is dead. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's and listen, I'm a play-by-play guy. I, I, I love little nuggets and stuff like that. But, like, you hear that on every yeah. – almost every single broadcast is like, well – It's right it, up there with the um, – he got his nickname because he was fat oh, as a baby. Fat. Yeah, well, that well, that comes – you know what it also could be, too? It could just be because I have surrounded myself with URI basketball. But a lot of these play-by-play guys, and a lot of the times when they make national TV, it might be the only time that somebody's going to watch them. So it does have a good ring to it, right? But no, fat, and also I mean, fats. Fats is an interesting name. Fats is an interesting name. I mean, uh, there should be some clarification as to why you have some kid that even on the school's official website, he's not listed as dad. Remember, remember that year that he was playing bad when he was shooting bad, and we decided at WRU that he was Darren. We we're like, we're not, we're not calling him Fats. It's a, it's he, like a superhero persona. Yeah, and we said until until he does something, he is Darren Russell. Yeah, it's like being Peter Parker. Unless you, until you start doing things, you're not Spider-Man. My grandmother, who I'm in her house now, she hasn't gotten the uh, the memo that there's an S at the end of Fats. Just so Fat. She'll, she'll call me and she'll say, "Oh, I was listening." She listens to talk radio on the same yeah. that Dan York and Gresh are on and all that. And they're obviously Dan York does the PA and, and Gresh is the is a URI alum, so they'll always talk about it. Like, yeah, they. I was listening the other day. How did Fat Russell do? And I was like, man, that it's, it, when you put it that way, it sounds like you're you know you're you're coming at my father. Like, no, Fats Russell, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Um, he is the smallest one on the team too. Oh my god! I mean, he's—I think he's five ten on Go Roadie, and that is very generous. Very generous. Cruz is five ten too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That kid's five ten. He's five ten with a shoebox underneath him. I don't know if he's five ten in real life. For back to—I don't even know—but back to Rhode Island. Yeah. The biggest thing that stands out for me from last year to this year. Obviously, the guard depth, you know, Jeff Dow and Fats Russell, they had to be on the court or it was going to be rough. But also, you don't – mid-major programs, A-10, any mid-major, you don't lose two of, quote-unquote, the greatest – some of the greatest players in your history and potentially get better. But that's what Coach Cox is doing. Yes, you're right, and I just want to – say something because nobody talks about this. That's where people don't give Dave the credit for his first year. He lost six players because people forget about, it was Jarvis Garrett, Stan Robinson, uh, Andre Berry, Jared Terrell, EC Matthews. And there was one more, wasn't there? No, that was it. There was five, five seniors. 
Yeah, but wasn't there so, why why did I think six? I can look it up real quick, but I think it's the five. Oh, you know who I'm no. No, because that was that was the year before it was only KI and Hassan. Now you might be right. Say there's five, right? Whatever it is, you still lose four of your starters yep. um down the stretch. And Jarvis Garrett, who was you want to talk about guard depth. I mean, yeah. his role changed drastically, which I'm sure in the moment probably sucked, but nobody appreciates um what Jarvis Garrett actually did. I mean, there was that year, first of all, he had the the year that they had all the injuries. He got punched in the mouth against St. Joe's. You thinking about Nicola Kelly? Yes, I am because he yeah. you know why? Because here's he the to- point. All six of them went on to play professional basketball. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Granted, Terrell was the only one that sniffed the NBA, but all six of those guys are now or have played professional basketball. That is a huge deal. I mean, a yeah. huge deal. So that was the thing that, that I always talk about with that first year under Cox is that, you know, oh, look at him, we're in Hendricken today, huh? Go off. Um, <laughs> I ran cross country as a freshman. That's why I'm in Hendricken cross country. We'll put the it, didn't fit me. it didn't fit me when I bought this, so. When, I, when my mom bought all the merch to make me feel uh, like I was part of the team, even though I was not contributing to the success of the program whatsoever, I still bought all the That's gear. what they're going to call you on TV, Fats Freeman. Fats Freeman, yeah. <laughs> uh, my grandpa told me today I was looking thin, though. It's, pro- it's probably because I lost my appetite for a bit. Or because he's back. a grandpa. He was like, wow, you, you lose weight, huh? I said, uh, hell if I know. <laughs> um, what the hell was I even talking about? Um, you lose six professional players. You lose the six professional players. And also, you, you I mean – you, you just lose – when you lose something, right, not only do you lose them, somebody else has to make up for it. And Jarvis Garrett was that guy that you lost that, – that to me – I mean, obviously the bigger names are Terrell, E.C. Matthews. Like, like you can't replace those guys. But when – what we don't talk about enough is even when you lost Jarvis Garrett, your bench got borderline depleted. And by I say borderline, yes, you had freshmen that were in place, who most of them aren't even here anymore. Um, but at the time, you did have Dana Tate, and you had Tyrese Martin. You had this young core. But you went from having a senior who had played starting minutes coming off your bench to now guys that have never played college basketball. Yeah. Substantially different. Anyway, I digress. Do you have a question? Because I'm just completely babbling. Well, no. I mean, that's – that's this is all – we're in year three of Coach Cox. And, I mean, I think a lot of are people – Yeah, we are year three. This is year huh? three. Time flies. I've been here too damn long. Um, but I mean, to your point, that's not things mid-major schools do is lose six professional players and be in the conversation to go to an NCAA tournament. Most only most, most power five schools don't, don't lose get six, six profe- players yeah. in a year. I mean, and a professional or not, you don't lose yeah. unless you have a transfer type of situation. Like, like I sent in the group chat about uh, Pitt, right? I forgot yeah. how bad it got. Like, like Pitt <laughs> when they finally let Stallings go, like yeah. they lost every like eight players were like, yeah, <laughs> out, out, and that's where I put the the thing. They about. came to Mackle to start scouting. Yeah, they pro- wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they they just that to me is a, you want to talk about a tough job. I'd love yeah. that's what I'm going to do one day. I'm going to write a column about the jobs that if and I'm not a good college basketball. Player. You I don't, don't know your X's and O's. No, I do. I never want to come across as the. That's why I hate being a color commentator because I never yeah. want to come across as I know anything more than the people actually on the court. Because but if I, we both I, sat down with Coach Cox or Sutton, our minds would be blown. Not even not. I mean, that to me is that's up here. If I sat, we down sat down with, with a player. If you if you sat me down with, um, who 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 can I who can I kind of pick at? 
No, because I, I feel like somebody will somebody will drop this to somebody and then I'll end up on some message board. How big do you think this is? You ended up on a message board. Well, Shane Donaldson taught me, dude. I don't think I've ever told this story. This is a good one, though. Um, my last year, I'm working in the athletic department, and I was writing these Wednesday menus for football, right? And yep. we're playing Ohio, right? Who, who around here is, first of all, going to read a preview called Wednesday's Menu by Stone <laughs> Freeman? Never mind who in Ohio is going to read the thing. So... I write this thing up and I had it, you know, you, people, yeah. probably seen it. there's the appetizers, which are just the quick hitters stuff. I find interesting. Then there's the main course, which is the stuff you want to be prepared about. And then there was this, the dessert, which is something I wanted to talk about something interesting, funny, quirky, that to send you off on your way. Long story short, in one of my, um, appetizers, I called them, um, Ohio university, which I quickly found out was wrong. Can't do that. I'll tell you. And then I called their head coach. His name, I think it's Fred Solick. He used to be the head coach at Nebraska. Should show you because I still don't know his name. Whether his name was Fred or his name was Frank, I called him the opposite. Yeah. So Shane forwards me an email, mm-hmm. and um, it was from Thor. And Thor had said, not a big deal, but I wanted to point this out for you. I figured you'd be the one to give it to. It was an email from a University of Ohio graduate, like class in 1960-something. And he was like, and it's not the University of Ohio, right? I just called Ohio it. University. It is Ohio University. Pretty sure it's Ohio University. Not the University of Ohio. Whatever it was, I, think it's I Ohio called University. it the wrong thing, and I called their head coach the wrong name. And he sent – and. It, he wasn't rude, but he was like, I just want to let you know. And he, he almost hit the nail right on the head. He said, you have a story posted on your athletics website by a fellow named Stone Freeman, who I'm sure is an intern of some sorts that this is one of his first jobs. Nail on the head. <laughs> um, but our head coach is, again, I don't want to butcher it for the third time, correct name. And we are the, whatever it is, University of Ohio, whatever. I didn't call it the right thing. Ohio University. It is Ohio University. Yeah. I called them the University of Ohio. Very it's long Frank. story. It's Frank. So you Frank. called him Fred. I called him Fred. Very long story short. Um, you never know who's listening. We're reading. One day, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh. Start again. It says the internet connection is unstable. I, now you're good. All right. Long story short, I hope one day, though, there's somebody listening that says, wow, this kid's cat charisma. <laughs> good word. This kid's go. charisma is enough to, to let us hire him. Because guess what? Here's a selfish plug. plug. I'm going to have two degrees by May, baby. Two degrees. No jobs. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> Send your resume. I got one degree, so... Um, I already got my Instagram caption planned out. It's going to be me with both degrees oh and it's going to say getting chilling in here, hashtag two degrees. That doesn't make sense. It's getting cold in here, two degrees? Yeah, but you're also one degree hotter. But it's still cold. I guess. Then how what do you think about, of that caption? Oh, I think, I think about captions all the time. I, know. I love captions. Like I put, what did I put the other day on the one with me and my new dog? It had nothing to do with the dog. Hold on, pause. <laughs> I'm a guest on your podcast. I'm telling you to pause. Yeah. I made the caption. I studied dripology classes in session with, with two, dog. two dogs. Yeah. That was one dripology. Yeah. Some, some of them are pretty good. That was, that was a good, that was a good, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a good caption guy. I've had some good ones. 
I'm a big I'm a big Sopranos guy too. So a lot yes. of them are just me and my friends, and I put this thing of ours. <laughs> I run North Jersey. You, if I want, you might run North Jersey, but you don't run your Uncle Junior Soprano. That is the the all time. <laughs> That and uh, so what? No F and Z D. That was and it's like both in episode one, but that sets the the bar high. He wants to Junior wants to whack the guy in Artie Bucco's restaurant. Tony puts the smack down down and they're in the intersection and he goes, You might run North Jersey, but you don't run your own. I'm country. just gonna cut the Rhode Island part. Is this a Sopranos podcast now? It is, it is. We should just talk about this. Do you see all the Saints all the many Saints of New Yorkers going straight to HBO Max? Yeah. So I Warner Brothers doing everything there. Yeah, see, like I like the movies though. I really do. I do. It is. I miss the experience. Yeah. Movies are actually the last thing I did before COVID. I went and saw that movie, The Way Back, with. uh, Oh, that was a good movie. It was a good movie. It was a good movie. Um, and I went and saw that with Tyler. We're the only two people in the theater. Kind of cliffhanger though. Kind of just ends. Yeah. But it it he he relapses. Oh, that just ruined the whole movie. Um, right? Doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Or did he never get sober? No. He drinks the whole because, time, gets fired. Because he, he crashes his car when he's with the woman that he met at the bar. And he, and gets then he loses fired. his job. And that's it. That Yeah, yeah. What, he had an offer from Kansas or something crazy? No. Yeah, yes, he did. Did he? As a player, right? Because remember him? Oh, he yes, yes, home? yes. Yeah, as a player, he had an offer. I think we're the first two people in the history of the world to talk about the way back in, in depth. <laughs> and spoil it. And sport, yeah, we just gave you the whole movie. It's about an alcoholic coach that goes back to his alma mater. He's a uh, at a Catholic school, right? Because he yep. talks to the to the father. Yeah. And um, the good news is the ending. It shows him shooting baskets, and he's wet. He's hitting like every shot while his team plays in the championship game, and he listens on the radio. That'll be you shooting at Mackle when you're 40 years old, hitting everything. No, 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 no. Were you there when we used to play and there was the guy that would come with his wife? It the old guy, yeah. I worked there, his yeah. His wife would walk on the treadmill and he would and play And he'd basketball. shoot hoops. They had like a 50-year-old game every like Wednesday in at like 9 a.m. I wonder what they've been doing during COVID. They're probably playing at like a Riverbend or something, one of the local gyms in South <laughs> Kingstown. Montana's probably out there running around with them. That freak he is. Oh. This is where people turn off the podcast. They this say, is where you, this is this is like after hours. This is like broadcast is over. You just yeah. talking. This is the fun. I mean, we're not a high quality. My laptop's on a Nike box right now. Make WRU fun again. Is my laptop about to die? No, I'm at thirty six. I'm good. WRU is fun. It is very fun, but we gotta make it fun again. They got Nolan and Pip running the show now, don't they? Yeah, they do. No okay. Freeman. Now, Freeman and O'Mara, that was the peak. I mean, with all due respect to Ben Kinch and Sam Mario, like when Freeman and O'Mara were running the show, that was the peak. Who was, was my – oh, Nolan was my RA too. Forgot. No, I mean, you guys, you guys are all good kids too, though. I just – because I'm, I'm, I'm selfish. Bias. Jack and I were, were – we were the we – That is true. That to, is – Until going, it came to Brooklyn and we had to break into the, to the union because we didn't have anybody to do studio. Sully drives all the way down from Massachusetts and they won't let him in and we had to get campus security to let him in. Oh, God. But we got the we got the broadcast off the ground. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So I guess the grand scheme of things, we'll get back to Rhode Island basketball. Please do. I love what? Rhode Island basketball. Oh. <laughs> We're on our way back. See what I did there? Segway. That's what they call it in this business. Um. So I guess realistically, yeah. What would be an expectation? I feel like to say to say any college basketball team to win their conference, unless you're far and away better, it's tough. Mm-hmm. But to say, would it be fair to say Rhode Island should compete for a 
double by in Brooklyn. Let's put it, it this in way. Brooklyn. Yes. Uh, yes, it's in Brooklyn this year. Yeah. Uh, for one more year, and then I think it goes back to D.C. or one. And then back to Brooklyn. The AC, yeah, because the ACC comes to town. Long yeah. story short, what I have come to realize um, about this URI team, uh, and this is half cop-out, but half, if you think about it, it, makes perfect sense. This URI team, take this whatever way you want, there should be no reason to believe that they will not be playing meaningful basketball games in March. What does that mean? Does it mean they get the double buy? I think so. I don't think Duquesne is as good as we thought they are. But I do think Dayton's going to be a little bit better than we thought they were, right? Mm-hmm. And I think VCU is going to be a little bit better. I think UMass is going to be a little bit better. Richmond and, and St. Louis seem to have the lock. I think Davidson is going to be a lot better. And I'm sure I'm missing a couple teams. But yes, I think Rhode Island is in perfect play based on the first five games of the season to say, yeah, we can, we can compete for a double buy, and then from there, you know, this Western Kentucky game matters. Even though yeah. it's not conference play, it matters because you will get a, a little bit more opportunities than you usually get in the Atlantic 10. Oh, St. Bonaventure is the other one. I think St. Bonaventure – Did you say VCU? I said VCU. Okay. St. Bonaventure is picked before Rhode Island, um, and I think they're right with URI. they got a team that – they have a lot of juniors. I think yeah. we talked about this off there. They have a lot of juniors. They're going to be very good next year. Oh, um, this is Oshun Yep, is very good. Kyle Lofton, I think, is yeah. part of this echelon of guards that gets forgotten about in the. He's Atlantic up there with Fats and um, oh, Gilliard. Yeah. I mean, his in that he was a freshman. I mean, the 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 confidence he had in that mm-hmm. game that they beat Rhode Island in Brooklyn a couple years ago. That's where I got. And for some reason, he reminds me of Kenny Lofton, and it might only be because his I name always is think Kyle that Lofton. too. No, but it like, is. I think about something it. Something about his face, even I'm like he walks in the room, and I'm like, why do I all of a sudden think I'm in like the, a 1990s baseball clubhouse? Like, what the hell is going on? But for some reason, he sticks out, and I and I've loved his play. I think he gets underlooked. Um, or overlooked in yes. a in a very good guard heavy conference, um, which which is understandable. Um, but long story short, the Rams should play meaningful games in March. My translation of that is yes, I think they should compete for a double buy, if not have one. If they're already picked to finish sixth, right, and that's where we're going to justify things. I think they're probably better. I don't think there's six teams better than them in the conference. Or yeah. five teams better than them mm-hmm. in the conference. Let's put it that way, right? So this Western Kentucky game matters because what do you do? Because now we're playing A-10 games a little earlier, right? Yeah. So what do we do after we play Western Kentucky in a week, right? And then you play A-10 games the rest of the way, including two before we even turn the calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, what What moment in Western Kentucky is so good? So good. I mean, I, yeah. I, I mean – I watched their whole game against Memphis, and then I watched partially of their game against West Virginia. I mean, they're they're big. They're very similar to Seton Hall. They're big. Yeah. They're physical on the interior. They have some NBA talent. Bassey is as NBA legit as you can get. Um, if the they have Bassey last year, ready, if oh, they have Bassey last year, I'm not sure we win. I don't think so. I mean, went to overtime without him. Yeah, and they shot well last year. I mean, that that's. And this is this is besides the point, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we, we can analyze that eight ways to Sunday. I just think that that right now, for URI's sake, um, I think they will play meaningful games in March. I really do. I don't think this is a first round exit in the A10, yep. and I certainly think I won't know if and, and the fan in me says they're an NCAA tournament team. Yeah, I got to see the Western Kentucky game. I got to see a couple conference games because again, this is such a small sample size. Granted, we've played a lot of basketball already, but it is a small sample size. But it does look, again, you can take it which way you want. This is a postseason team. Yes. I don't know what postseason it's in, but this is a postseason team. 
And I think even like we've talked about Fats' numbers, they're going to go up because he's just that good, that talented. They're going to go up. And then I think the Mitchell twins will get more comfortable. They'll start to come into their own. Yes. Yes. And then even somebody like Jeremy Shepard, who Rhode Island really hasn't had this shooter type of player. No, I mean, they haven't. Last year, they had to rely on Down and Russell for a three, and no disrespect to either of them, but there were times where they just couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. Oh, so did you did you watch the broadcast against Seton Hall? You did, right? I did. Yes. Steve Lapp has brought it up a, a couple times. I thought he hit the nail on the head. Shooting and games that Fats can shoot the three ball, there 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 ain't going to be many teams that can stop Rhode Island. Yeah, really aren't. That's what was in and Ishmael Leggett, man. Oh, oh, that's what I meant to talk about him. Oh, oh my God! What a, a future. Man. He is a man, and he loves it. You can see he had that dish to was it one of the Mitchell twins, and he mm-hmm. threw it down, and yeah. you would have thought it was like a backdoor. Yeah. Rec- yeah, I mean he was fired up, man, fired. Up. I love that kid. Four for four, two for yep. two from three, finished with yep. eleven points. Eleven points, right? Yeah. yeah. So they're My they're a little bit deeper than we probably think. Yeah. Do, so. That that you and Jack hit the nail on the head when you said um, in your second episode how. We overlook how good the rookie class, the freshman classes. Yeah. Um, well, most of them are going to get redshirted, though. I think that that's is true. What, that's what we're looking at, right? I mean, if we're through five games and we've only got in five games is is it's a small sample size in terms of what we can analyze, but it's a big sample size in terms of how many games you're actually going to play. Um, yeah. There, if the, if we haven't seen them yet. Yeah. And there is some depth. Like Jalen Carey didn't play at all against Seton Hall, right? And I don't, I don't know if Carey has completely shown what he can do yet. I think no. he needs some time to adjust too. But that's another guy that's going to get thrown into the mix, and it's fine. You, you might have to redshirt a freshman or two, and you'd rather have to redshirt him because you have depth than yeah. redshirt him because you're rebuilding. They're not rebuilding; they, they have depth in their line. And I think too, um, just that the, the the depth is something that they haven't had since the. 2017-2018 team because yes. yeah, I mean I think it may have shown and you know they didn't point to it because Coach Cox doesn't believe in fatigue as an excuse to what he says but I think it, it showed up a little bit in Brooklyn in 20 the last time they played it the A-10 tournament because when you have Jeff and Fats and Surreal were playing 30 plus minutes every yeah. game night in night out it takes a toll on your body go, and look, at, go look at Jared Terrell's minutes the final stretch of the 2018 season. I mean, you want to talk about EC's minutes. It was the same thing last year. You had this core, right? Mm -hmm. And granted, Fats is only a junior. He's coming back. But you have Jeff, who's got, uh, especially in the A-10 tournament, like, I mean, him and Cyril just had a motor in him, unlike anything. Uh, Granted, we didn't get to see them for a last time in the A-10 tournament. But you have this group of seniors and Fats that, even Tyrese Martin, Tyrese Martin, to his credit, who's now playing well at UConn and, and, you know, transfer aside, what he did at Rhode Island last year was impressive. They didn't have, especially when Dana Tate transferred, right? I mean, they relied heavily on, again, ironically, two guys that have transferred away, but they put a lot of pressure on Jacob Toppin and Makai Long. Uh, that's why Makai's minutes against Providence were so big last yeah. year. So big. And so I think... Because they didn't have anybody else. The biggest thing for me and something that I think has popped into my head, I was thinking about this was... No disrespect to Toppin, Long, Martin, great players. But there hasn't been a time in these five games that you think, oh, I wish we had them now. No, you're right. You're right. Because and there's think- so much more, not more, but there's so much talent and depth that 
it was sad to see them go, but Cox did an excellent job of replacing them and getting the productivity. You know, and, and I don't want this to come across as a knock, but I, I think it isn't. Yeah. They had no choice but to do what they did. They yeah. had no, don't, I'm being sarcastic, or else they weren't going to feel the basketball team. Like if mm-hmm. they didn't hit the transfer market like they did, they weren't, oh, you know who we didn't talk about at all is Malik Martin. Malik Martin, I think, yeah. two games of the year, I'm watching him at home. And he, and he was, it was, like, I was visibly upset with some of the decisions he made. And then, like, something switched. Like, he got put in the starting lineup, and I, yeah. and I followed him, like, six or seven straight possessions. Mm-hmm. And I realized, eerily similar to his brother, other than the position he plays, yeah. he just is a dog. Like, rebounds yeah he had a, he had that one block against i think it was san francisco along the baseline mm-hmm. that was just like out of nowhere like like he, he plays so well the new lineup that dave is put into play that has um jalen coming off the bench now not starting yeah and i think it was the i get I, st- I shouldn't because i should be able to analyze him without this but the whatever the switch was with the mitchell twins what it did was it opened up the floor a little bit more because there wasn't as many true guards on the floor mm-hmm. jalen fats and jeremy shepherd on the floor at the same time this is just my opinion i thought it looked like they, they didn't know what yeah. where exactly they were i don't want to mm-hmm. say they were lost i just don't know if they had a feel yet yeah. You make that switch where Malik starts for Jalen Carey, and I felt like his role is different than Jalen Carey, mm-hmm. vastly different than Jalen Carey. So I don't think Jalen's necessarily worse than Malik. Malik's worse than him. I don't think that altered into the starting lineup. Yeah. I think it was just we needed to shake it up. They needed to shake it up, and that was the move. The Martins are getting – not the Martins. The, the Mitchells are getting more – I mean – Again, I only know him by their number, which is horrible to say. But Mikel is starting now. Who was the one that had the double-double last game? Because he um, looked good. It was... Uh, 21? Makai. Makai. Makai looked good. Like, really, really good. Because, Five, again, it's kind of a cop-out, but I just chalk it up to he looked comfortable. Yeah. He looked like the four games in five days didn't fatigue him but prepared him. Same yeah. thing with Ishmael. Like, there's a lot of these guys that look prepared, and they look like, they, again, just to be very blatant, they look like they actually know what they're doing now. Yeah. And especially in that Boston College game, there was a lot of times they're just going, what, what is, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? Antoine Walker, too, is looking great. Similar thoughts would occur during our intramural basketball game. Well, but, that's because I just don't <laughs> like playing basketball with you. Um, to your point, too, about, um, Shepard and even DJ Johnson. DJ's been great. You have to give them so much credit. They were they focused up for a year without playing, waited for this opportunity, come back double digits for both of them in their first um, game. And you said this earlier, and I, I couldn't agree with it more. They're going to look back in March, February. They could even yep. look back now. And they'll say that Arizona State and Boston College games, we, we easily could have won those games. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. But I think, too, though, you have to use those as metrics of um, they're not going to hurt you. No, because yes. Metrics are so big, right? Kempom's big now. Net's so big now. I don't know if they're necessarily going to hurt you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because they were neutral court games, that might help your case. If you lost yeah. to Boston College at home and it's later on in the season, mm-hmm. maybe it hurts you. But you lose a couple neutral site games. Arizona State's going to be a top 
38, 40 team in, in multiple rankings this year, especially if they're, if uh, I think UCLA is the favorite to win the Pac-12 and they're not exactly selling themselves uh, at a high clip right now. Um, so, you know, they're not, I told you this on the phone last night when we were talking about doing the podcast um, today. I really don't think they're going to, at the moment, they yeah. don't have a bad loss on their schedule. And if mm-hmm. they lose to Western Kentucky, it's not, it's not a bad loss. It's not mm-hmm. a bad loss. It, you want to win it because it's going to move the needle, but it's not a bad loss if they close conference play out three and three. That's the bad. Non-conference play. Sorry. That was basically a gist of our conversation last night was yeah. the, the movement of the needle, the mysterious needle, is especially with scheduling and a pandemic, you have to look – so like say they played tonight's game and beat Boston College, revenge their loss. I don't know how much it moves the needle for them. But if, think, if, if they lose, it could drop them even more. Yes, and that's where I think the scheduling thing is so weird this year because I understand – I don't want this to come across as I don't want them to play another game. As a fan, yes. you want one of these analysts to drop a – per source, Rhode Island's going to host so-and-so, right? But, you know, I looked at, like, Notre Dame wanted to play a game, right? I'm not saying with the Rhode Island. They tweeted, yeah, like, yeah. you know, we're going to play a game, whatever. They signed – Detroit, right? That's the type of game that if you play it, you're playing it strictly to play a game, which mm-hmm. I know from a coaching perspective, I'm sure there's, there's a purpose in doing that, yes. right? Purpose to playing that game. There's probably a purpose if you were the lower team and a bigger team said, yeah, let's play. Yeah, yep. you're probably going to play with house money in a game like that. But where I'm going with this is if they don't schedule anybody, it's not going to hurt them. In nope. my opinion, it's not going to hurt them because they don't have – it'd be different if, which we talked about last night, if there are four games in the bubble where Towson, Stephen F. Austin, USF, mm-hmm. and Temple, where the only needle-moving win is probably Stephen F. Austin on a neutral court, and you're 4-0, and then you, God forbid, this worked the way it is, you lose to Seton Hall and you're 4-1. I think being 3-2 and two right now, yeah. with the losses you have and the wins you have, is better than the alternative. So if you play Western Kentucky, you decide to take this next week of, because we also talked about this, which, you know, again, I don't know if, if I'm, if I'm understanding science too well, and I'm certainly cognizant of that, but I don't know if you want to play another game too and jeopardize, yeah. you know, not being able to play that Western Kentucky game, you know, and I'm sure there are conversations within the department and the program. That's like, no, let's play another game. We want to play yeah. a game. We, we can't go nine days without doing anything because after Western Kentucky, they get their exam break before, a ten play, I think, right? Mm-hmm. They get like five days off before they tip off uh, St. Bonaventure. I believe so. Um, yes, or Davidson, one of them. I got I got to get the schedule down, Pat, a little bit more. It'll be after Western Kentucky. It'll be December eighteenth. Yeah. So they have five days off, okay. and they have not again until the thirtieth. So it's the eighteenth to the thirtieth. That's the, the that's the break I'm looking at between okay. Bonaventure that's, and Davidson. Yes. That's the break I'm looking at. That's their you know traditional exam break yep. that they were to get off. Um, you know, so that's, again, that's the biggest thing. I think, like you said, nothing's done in a vacuum. No. So you could potentially be jeopardizing a needle moving win for you yes. with Western Kentucky. If you do go, I don't know, go play a lower bottom tier opponent yes. just to play a game. And like you said, of course, there's reasons you can't replicate game time and yep. minutes like that. But from a perspective, oh God, strictly analysis point of view in terms of the big picture sure. net Ken Palm it's not it's not really worth it in terms of yes and that's that's where I think it's it's not a matter of me not understanding mm-hmm. hey I want to play you know we want to play a game right or a fan saying hey I, I can't go 
a week without seeing you or I play. No, this, this is, this is weird. Like this is rare. We don't, yeah. we, we were talking a couple of days ago too, about that 2019 season. Yeah. The first, cool. the first semester that was still 2018. Cox first where, year. Yeah. Where they went to Hawaii and the, it looked like they were playing one game a week. And even were, that felt weird. It they were on like, a football wait, schedule. Yeah. Like, like what we play Holy cross and now we don't do anything until, um, West Virginia next mm-hmm. weekend. And then we travel to Hawaii and we play three games. It was very yeah. weird. Like, it's not fun, right? It's not – it sucks. <laughs> but scheduling this year, and we've seen it all over social media, so I won't beat the dead horse any more than it is, but scheduling is this year uh, uh, um, confusing. I won't call it a cluster F because I think there are a lot of teams that are still playing games, yeah. right? There are a lot of teams that are still playing games, and there are some teams that are going to have to quarantine. I get all that. and that is a conversation for another day taking in the, the public health situation and everything. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying just based on the, the scheduling of college basketball, you're one of a handful of teams that have played five games, right? Yeah. Five games already. Let's, let's worry about the next game, right? And, and, and again, hey, for all we know, there's probably already been a tweet in the last 20 minutes that I haven't seen because I've been doing this podcast with you that's going to make me look like an idiot because they, they do schedule fairly Dickinson. Stony Brook. Yeah. Well, Providence College. I know. I, I know where you're going with that. Fairly Dickinson. <laughs> I almost, I applied there. You applied to Providence? No, Fairly Dickinson. They were good a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, they went to the tournament. You know, the only, okay. The only problem I have with that, right? They went to the tournament. That's fine because they won the Okay. They, respect that. But how does winning a playing game as a 16 seed count as an NCAA tournament win? That shouldn't count. I'm sorry. It shouldn't count. It should be like you, a warm-up. You should move on. But, like, now Fairleigh Dickinson's like, yeah, well, you know, we have an NCAA tournament win. Like, ah, uh, do you? <laughs> it's like it's the same thing with the – um, it's like the uh, teams in the MLB could say they were in the playoffs. Well, you played one game and lost, so were yes. you? Yes. Well, that's – I mean, that's a whole – Same dad's energy. Always had that. My dad's always had that argument when you go into, like, Dick Sporting Goods or something, when a team – this is back in the old wild card – when um, you just get in as a wild card, yeah. right? But my dad would always get frustrated because the Red Sox for a while were like in 2004, they were the wild card. That year it mattered though because you end up winning the thing. Like when you're the wild card and you get swept in the first round, don't buy any <laughs> merchandise that's like AL wild card. It's like, well, you got in because yeah, you had the fourth best record, but like then you got waxed. This time around, it's even worse. When you get in and you lose the first game you play, you don't even get to the divisional round. Don't even show yourself a wild card shirt. What the hell? You probably want 88 games. That's the, the, the funniest thing to me is whenever they show Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. And the, the Colts have banners for like going to the wild card game. Yeah. It's like, what? That's where you got to throw standards out the window and expectations out the window and just let organizations do it. Like you imagine you or I was hanging a banner every time they made the A-10 tournament. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's cool. Uh, it's it's it is it's, it's very very bizarre very bizarre but hey this is why i'm sitting here talking about it in my grandma's spare bedroom and there's somebody getting paid money to actually do something with mickey mouse right there yeah it's the telephone it's a good one they you're off. actually you're actually paying you or i at the moment too so am i you're, you're going to school yeah but, but but yeah but i'm not like 
you know, paying them to care. I'm paying them to get, I'm getting something out of it. Here's a hundred dollars a month. Let it's me like care. When you go to, when you go to CVS and you buy a candy bar, you're not paying CVS. No, you're getting something in return. You're getting your candy bar. <laughs> I'm getting something in return. A little but more yeah, expensive than a candy bar. Uh, a little bit, you think. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you plug your show first. A very good college basketball show. I think everyone should go take a listen to. Yes, Jack O'Mara and I started uh, Freeman and O'Mara College Hoops podcast. Um, didn't drop one this week. Uh, we were going to do something today on Friday, and I called Jack this morning and I said, I don't know if it's worth it because, we're, again, Providence just plays Fairleigh Dickinson on Saturday. Not many people are, are, you know, people are, especially during the holiday season, weekends are, not many people sit behind their computers and their iPhones on the weekends now. Yeah. So Jack and I will be dropping again. Episode three will come out next week. We're going to record it early on in the week, get it out. Um, certainly before the weekend, because Rhode Island does have a big game next weekend that we want to be able to talk about. But yeah, Free Nomad College Troops podcast. Um, I'm finishing up a degree right now. So that's why I, uh, I have been off the rat, off the map, right? My Twitter is not as good as it probably used to be. Um, it's just because we're, we, we're chasing that bag, right? Um, but yeah, it's, that's the podcast now. Jack does great work. Um, he's great to, great to talk to, great to listen to. Um, he's now in Rhode Island. We've adopted him. He left the, the what is Connecticut's logo? The Constitution traffic, State. Uh, I thought it was the traffic suck state. Um, but that he's left the, why, wow, you like driving in traffic in Connecticut? No, Connecticut is the most bleh. It's, not, it's like a, it's a state I go through. Like, there's nothing in know. it. You better hope there's nobody listening. Rhode Island has character. Yes. New York has character. Well, Rhode Island has character because people like me force it on you. <laughs> Connecticut doesn't have many people rallying for them. Like, yeah, not many people. Not many people in Connecticut are like, whoa, 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 when you're talking crap. Rhode Islanders are like, Rhode Island is the cousin that when your friend talks crap about him, you get mad because that's your cousin. But you, you can talk all the crap about your it's cousin. It's a very New Jersey thing too. Yes. Well, New Jersey, the one thing that I, that I really got to respect about New Jersey, every, it seemed like, and again, I'm sure there's been times that, that it's, it hasn't worked this way. But I, I'm so curious all the time, right? So I'll, I'll see somebody on TV, a celebrity, a news anchor, a reporter, a, a broadcaster, an actor, and I'll say, I wonder where they're from. Almost everybody is from New Jersey. Like everybody's from New Jersey. There's yeah. not like I never look up somebody. I'm like, wow, he's he's from Nebraska. Nobody's from Nebraska. Nobody, even nobody's from like California. Like I can't find anybody. Tom Brady's from California. It's probably like the only one. Like I look up New Jersey all the time. A lot of people are from New Jersey. I gotta think. I gotta think of good examples because I want I, I want to make this worth it. It is um, the most densely populated state. I mean, there's there's so oh you know who's a good one James Gandolfini, which makes sense because The Sopranos is filmed there, but like. All this stuff, like he's wearing Rutgers gear and stuff. Well, he's from New Jersey, went to Rutgers. Like, I mean, that's okay. That's just how it works, I guess. I guess you just. A lot of people do go to Rutgers who are in Jersey. Well, that that's technically the state university, right? Yeah, it is. Maybe we should do something like that. Maybe we should be URI, but we should call ourselves something different. Like, we should be the. Uh, no. What are you going to be? I don't know. I think. I even know where Rutgers comes from, to be honest. You're with telling you. me if Rutgers was named the University of New Jersey, they'd be in the Big Ten? No, 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 no. <laughs> If they were the University of New Jersey, they'd be in like the MAC and not the MAC with football. They'd be in the MAC with like one, a, two A's. They'd be in with two A's. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. Two A MAC with Iona. Yes. They would. They. I just don't. Rutgers doesn't. Rutgers gives off a Big Ten vibe. The University of New Jersey does not give off a Big Ten vibe. There is University an NJU. New Jersey, New Jersey University. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm not. They changed their name three times, just like um. 
Thomas oh, Jefferson Philadelphia. University. Philadelphia, yeah. That, that, so. Hey, they're a good D2 school. Uh, they lost in the scuffle because there's five Division One, like, you know, either academically or athletically good schools. Their whole city has city. just their own thing. Yeah. That's five. the one thing. Like, I love Boston, right? Boston's, the, like, the other than Providence, the biggest city close by to me that you visit all the time. And Boston takes a lot of pride in their university. And then you look about it and you go, yeah, but you guys have a ton of, like, these, like, eh. And by eh, I'm looking at it from the athletic standpoint. Yeah. They're, they're great, you know, academic schools. I will never question Harvard, Boston College, Northeastern, North, like all that stuff is important. But like you have a lot of schools that just get lost in the scuffle because you have big time sports there. Philadelphia, like, yeah, you, you got the, the Sixers, but like, I think I'm going to watch a Nova game before the Sixers. Yeah, I would definitely, I yeah. I might even watch a Temple football game. <laughs> Over the Eagles. But that's the same thing with New York. New York has no, there's no sense of collegiate anything well, that, but that's, in this area. But that, that, is the, that is how, even though New York professional sports haven't been, you know, the, the Yankees obviously, but I know that's like it. the Knicks haven't been too well. The Giants are in first place. Watch your mouth. Well, the Giants are in first place because they play in um, a division. We don't make the rules. They don't make the rules. They just play. Oh, see, see how that works for you. But Tom Brady, the division argument, never. It's it's always get used against him. Well, well he should go to I, a better. He should go to a better division. And he did. He's getting his ass beat. And you guys go to a better division. And trust me, you ain't gonna win a game. Aren't your only wins division games right now? Uh, yes, two against the Eagles, one against. Oh no, two against the football team, one against the Eagles. No, they beat the Bengals this weekend. So yeah. Oh, woo. that's right. Mark that without off. Joe that'll Burrow. Move, that'll move the needle. Beating those Bengals by two. Huh? By two. By two. Yeah, I didn't watch much football this week because I watched a, a lot of college basketball. Oh, I watched the Patriots game at, at Mohegan Sun, and then I went and watched URI play. I, I can just say USF. They played both of them. So imagine yeah. that. We, in two days, we played both. There's only two schools in all of Division One with USF, and you and I get to play both of them in 48 hours. Lucky what us. What a country. <laughs> well, make sure you listen to O'Mara and Fre- Freeman and O'Mara. Yeah, that's 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 the, where we're going. And that's the end all. Freeman and O'Mara. We do a lot of stuff like this. We love talking. I love talking if you can't tell. Yeah. So what better way to do it than a podcast, which everybody's got now. So, so we plugged that the way back in the Sopranos. Yeah, pretty good. All quality. It's a, it's a good movie. Yeah. I'm on a, I'm on a, uh, a kick right now. I just bought Peacock, which NBC has a ton of crap. It's on. free. Really? Yeah. But I don't like ads and you don't have ad blocker on your computer. You can do that. Oh my God. Yes. You can do that with like a stream though. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you after. Well, I bought it because I wanted there's, there's, there is, peacock premium that you have to have the premium thing for so i'm a big softy jack and i talk about this i'm a big softy so i watch this is us and i've caught up to where i watch it like weekly now yeah and that ain't enough for me i need more sad you know pathetic drama in my life i guess so now i've picked up parenthood which is there's six seasons they got like they got like 25 each so i'm on season two right now and uh that's for moving. I'm excited now, but I don't got anything tomorrow. So I'm going to bang out like six or seven episodes and put my tree up, I think. You know what? I'm, I'm back on the office for the 20th time. And this time, That's you realize something new every time. Yeah. It is not PC at all. Not like, at all. Oh, my goodness. No, there are I mean, things that like I'm like, yeah. how did they get away with that? No, there is. I mean, from episode one where they do the name card game and the yeah. cards are on the head. Like, yeah, you look at I can, half the stuff I can't even say on here and laugh because it is yeah. it's very – it's like – 
There was way. there was one that really it was season three. Martin yeah. Nash comes, yeah, and Michael's like, "Welcome, let me show you where the rest of the slaves work." And I was yeah, just like, it's, it's they it's like crazy. were like what? It is crazy. Yeah. Some of the stuff that they get away with. There is a lot of stupid humor in it. Like Creed, I think is hysterical. <laughs> like what's it like? Slap the when you fear run or whatever. Yeah, laps Meredith sl- screams. Slap yell run. Yeah, and he sprints. At, like that stuff is just hysterical. And then what's his other one? He, um, he doesn't. He doesn't know what his job is. Well, that I mean, that's that goes without saying. The oh, murder when, one is when, funny too. When Phyllis gets flashed in the in the parking lot. Oh yeah. And it flash and then they, they interview Creed and he goes, if that's considered flashing, then lock me up or something like that. It's like, dude. Toby's uh, the Scranton Strangler. Have you read that conspiracy? Yeah. Well they also think Creed's a murderer too, because remember they go Michael's like playing the game and he jokingly goes, yes. You're a suspect. he gets in the car and yes. sprints out. He, he leaves, yeah, yeah. Who's so. your favorite character on that show? Michael. I like. I love Michael. I love Michael's Michael. my favorite. Creed's. Creed's. I like. You know who I actually don't like anymore? Kelly Kapoor. I hate Kelly. I never really liked her. Yeah. Pam. Well, Pam. The Pam and Jim thing is just it's, so. Uh, it's gotten beaten. Like, you want to talk about beating like a dead horse? Pam and Jim. Like, first of all, this is where I can speak from experience. Right? Nobody gets out of the friend zone. So how the hell? Jim Halpert not only got out, but he convinced a woman to leave her fiance, and then he rejected her too. Yeah. Yeah. Like. That don't happen. You tell your friend you like them and they say, yeah, and I like you as a friend. Not, oh, I'm going to leave my fiance for you. Then you're going to turn me down and I'm still going to be here. And I'm going to date Rashida Jones. Yeah, yeah, he did. What's her name in the show? Karen Filippelli. Um, Karen. What was her name? It is Karen, right? That's Filippelli, yeah. yeah. Also, this is so depressing, I thought about. How sad are their lives? Who? Just... Just the people in the office, like this is it. They work at a paper company. Well, well, okay, and I don't. I, Not I, to belittle anyone, but no, just no, like. No, but that's that's what I'm saying though. I think I think there is an underlying um, storyline within the show that is this is how Americans live. There's a mm-hmm. lot of Americans that unfortunately go to work every day with people that they don't really like, but they don't really hate. They do a job that they probably don't like, but they do get paid. Yeah, and then. They go back to work the next day and they wait. I mean, Stanley is like key. Like his his anxiously waiting till five o'clock is a feeling so that many a people. lot of yeah. fucking people, a lot of freaking people feel. I swear a lot now. And I told once I get you once too. I noticed too. Once it's like you forget that we're recording and we're just talking. Well, that's I because t- sometimes I'll drop like an f bomb because when I teach at URI and there's a lot of people that that I understand. People are like it's not professional, but my thing is though I'm so comfortable with being myself. That like an f bomb doesn't bother me. Now, am I gonna you know drop something that is going to offend anybody? No, 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 because that's not who I am. Yeah. So people say, well, what if you drop something you don't really mean? Well, everything I say has meaning. So if I drop an f bomb, it's to emphasize something. If I call you an asshat, it's just that's just what I call you. It's it, it's not to belittle you or anything. It's normally because somebody will say something to me and I go, hey, would you cut that crap you ass at? Like I, I don't actually, and I don't call my students or anything like that, but I'll say the F word all the time. You know, what the fuck shit, whatever. Like it's not, because I don't mean something behind yeah. it. You know what I mean? I, I, I shouldn't say I don't. I know what I mean behind it and it gets across to people that I'm still going to you know, care about them. Also, one thing that I've, I've also gotten a kick out of lately, yeah. because people have turned the podcast off at this point, but if you stuck around, thank you. Um, Furio is low key one of my favorite in the Sopranos. 
Yeah, he's all right. I don't he's like so how they handle. I don't like how they handle because I understand why they they boot him off, and it's because the Tony has doesn't like that Carmelo was getting. Yeah. you know, like I get that, but like I feel like that kind of shows you how they didn't really. It was kind of a throw-in character. Oh, it was. You know what I mean? Like I think the same thing about um, Steve Buscemi's character there. Like Cruz, yeah. Cruz and I have this long-standing. Not debate, but just kind of disagreement because what's his argument, I don't want to speak for, but it does make sense. His thing is kind of like, yeah, but without him, we don't have like another, there's a whole other side to Tony. Like Tony has to kill his cousin, spoiler yeah. alert. Like there is a whole other, then there's when Tony's in the coma and he sees yeah. him at the mansion. Like there is a big side to him. But my thing was like, Steve Buscemi is a great actor. He's a great writer. Um, I don't take anything away from, but I feel like that character was just yeah. at the time. Steve Buscemi's riding high. I mean, in the early two thousand, and now he's a bit. He's he's still famous now. Like, yeah, people know Steve Buscemi. I just felt like he was kind of rushed in and rushed out, and there wasn't really a purpose. Even though Cruz has kind of moved me to yeah. purpose, I just don't think. Well, what is one of Cruz's biggest arguments is um, they didn't need to kill Richie or Jackie, which is asinine well they have to kill jackie or else tony doesn't become boss no not jackie um i'm sorry richie i don't like richie so i want richie or ralphie they i said ralphie Ralphie, richie ralphie dude ralphie though ralphie that was it he didn't have to kill ralphie okay maybe you don't have to kill ralphie in terms of like he really wasn't doing anything but that is a big in my opinion character development into why tony passionately loves animals pioma like like Pyomai, the ducks, Corsette when freaking Christopher sits on him. Like there's a side to Tony that because David Chase is a mastermind and is so elegantly written, there's a side to him between that and between the feelings that he that he tells Melfi about his mother. Yeah. That like he almost doesn't want to be a mobster. Like like he like he's stressed all the time. His anxiety and yeah. his Prozac need and all this stuff gets to the point where but then you see um who's the guy that he's in it for a bit and he wants to move to florida and they won't let him and then he ends oh so yeah um no wasn't it um i forgot the before and after wasn't it the or oh, the before and the way before oh. wasn't it the way before he came out as gay and he wanted to move to florida and they said you can't i thought he was moving to florida with his wife because remember, oh. his wife is like, what'd Tony say? And he's like, no. And then he killed himself oh. in the basement. Yeah. Long story short, though, like, there is a desire. Tony's like, I shouldn't say infatuation because there is, like, a side of him that that he just has mistresses. But, like, his relationship with, who's the car dealer there? Gloria. Yeah. Like, she shows, like, he, he, he wants out of this life. Like, even his family. Like, he can't stand, like, that scene when AJ tries to kill uncle scene in the godfather is where he hides the, like the whole thing and it's like there's the side to tony that like he really doesn't like being a mobster and this is why i'm excited for the prequel because i think his father like he says that other line to his mother or about his mother because his mother's always crying about that right and but how yeah, I can hear how oh, when he like, he was alive, yes. he got gots, but when he was yeah. he's dead, he's a saint now. He's a saint now. And like 
that to me is like, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't think he dies. I don't. I, don't I was going to ask dies. you. I don't think he dies either. No, I don't. Do you want to, you want to ask you, ask me the question then? Okay. Well, how do you think in your mind, how did yeah. you, how did you think it transpired in the diner? Okay. So I think again, this synopsis, right? Because things get really like the final three episodes yeah. with Bobby Bacala getting killed, Phil Leotardo getting killed. Still like, going to the hospital. Yes, there is this domino and Chrissy that, that should. Oh yeah, I mean, well, the Chrissy thing is like I think that is one of the the better parts. That was a long time coming there's, too. But there, but there's a lot of stuff that I, when I say I could see it coming, I don't want that to sound like I predicted it. Yeah, like I, I would, I would have never predicted pussy getting whacked. Like you, no. you can't predict that. Like that is a big deal. I can't predict um, what happens with. Actually, no, you can. You can predict what happens to, um, what's her name? Chris's game. Oh. Um, what the hell is her name? Oh, my God. <laughs> How am I blanking on this? This is bad. Adriana. That's Adriana. it. You can yeah. predict that because there's this yeah. long-standing you know, thing that she's not working with the FBI, but the FBI is on to her. She's not telling them anything. Yeah. But she's living with this thing that I, I, I'm, the FBI is after me, and I'm going to tell Chris. Chris, and then she obviously ends up getting whacked. This is a big spoiler. Make sure you put that like in the in the. Bio. I'll put. I'll put it up. Um, but there are these storylines that you can kind of see coming. Chrissy, you almost thought he could have been killed six or seven times, but he doesn't. Yeah. So that leads you to believe when you get to that point, you think he's that good, yeah. Tony's not going to kill him, and he does. Yeah. So that's again part of this character development. But back to Tony, the last scene. There is this domino effect that leads you to believe he's going to get killed, right? Like, like he's, he's going to get whacked. But, and this is where I pull away from the storyline for a bit. Isn't there, there, and obviously it sucks that James Gandolfini dies in real life because yeah. first of all, it's horrible. Second of all, he's the greatest TV actor of all time. Um, but I might be making this up. Isn't there something out there that David Chase was like, if, he never says, I don't think he ever said it. No, he doesn't say what happens, but he does say, that if Gandolfini was still alive, they would have done a sequel and not a prequel. Oh, really? I didn't I'm hear about that. I'm almost positive that's wow. like a conversation. Yeah. Well, so my thing was always... Because everyone else is still alive yeah, and well. Everybody else is still alive. So, And to a certain degree, Gandolfini's been dead, what, seven years now? Yeah. They would have made the sequel by now. Yeah. They would have already been out. They wouldn't have waited this long. Now they have to... And David Chase is the writer of the, of the prequel, so it's going to be great. But my argument has always been do you think, with or without this speculation that they make a sequel, just based on being a fan, I think if Gandolfini is alive, you make a sequel. Yeah. You you make a sequel. It and also sort that, of takes away, though, from the finale. Of course it does. Of course it does. I mean, that that that's a large reason why it ends the way it does. Mm -hmm. It ends the way it does because now we can have a conversation like yeah. this. And if you think he dies and I think he lives, we're both right. I think I personally, I think he lives because two reasons. They have that rule like not in front of the family. Yep. True. Like a, okay. Second of all, Carmela says like, I can't remember when it is, but it's, it's near the end. Yeah. She goes, you know, how do you live like this? Like a piano is dangling above your head. And I think that's what they're trying to do in that scene is like, it could happen at any point. Yeah. True. Like that's how he lives his life. True. And I think too, I mean, look at, and again, I don't want to make it sound like I know the insides of the mob, but how they develop characters, right? Everybody says, what about the guy that walked into the restroom? How the Sopranos develop characters, 
you know everybody. Yeah. You know the guys that haven't been made yet. You know the guys that want to get made. You know the guys that make mistakes. Wouldn't we have known the guy that walks into that bathroom? It wouldn't have been a. It wouldn't have been a nobody to do it. It would. It, there's no way to whack yeah. the the king of New Jersey crime. Yeah. There's just no way. And then who kills, um, Phil Leotardo? It's not New Jersey, right? I don't think so. Because they kill him at the gas station, which is horrible. Because, well, that might debunk you're not in front of the family scene, though. Yeah. Because his grandkids and his wife see that. Um, Philly tournament. His teeth are oh, beautiful. Uh, it says Tony sent two men. I think it was Tony. Did Tony send him? All right, so maybe he does. I mean, I mean my thing, Bacala didn't deserve to get killed. I'm no. almost more offended that he gets killed than... He was Tony one of my favorites. Killed. Well, he doesn't do anything. He's Junior's driver. The Ju- oh, my God. Uncle June, this is the last thing, and then you can end this whenever you want. Uncle June is, my, is I think, the most developed character in the show. Yeah. Because, like, you get so much out of him still when his character is completely ridden. Yeah. Like... That he's basically like, doesn't t- Tony goes to the nursing home, right? And he yeah. doesn't recognize him. Like that scene, even in that, is like holy shit. But even in the first like three seasons, you get this weird Junior Soprano that borderline helps Livia bug or the FBI bug Livia's room at Green Grove. But you also get one that genuinely cares about his nephew that won't let them whack his nephew, Mm -hmm. which I think is, and on top of it, he never gets killed. So that should show you the significance. Like him and Pauly never get even talked about, right? Like the biggest Pauly storyline is probably when he wants to get in with Carmine, big Carmine in New York and he gets out of jail and big Carmine doesn't even recognize him at the wedding. That's probably the biggest storyline there. Um, but Paulie and Junior, you never hear anything about. Do you have a favorite episode? Favorite episode. Um, two. One, I don't know the episode, but Carmela and Tony, when they fight and Carmela yeah. kicks him out of the house, that is the, it's dark, it's upsetting, it's horrible, especially when you, with a show like that, where, I mean, we're talking about this now 20 years after two kids yeah. that were seven years old when the show came out and we're still infatuated by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that scene is just yeah, a- absolutely incredible. Um, and really that whole portion where they're about to buy the beach house and all that, that whole sequence. Then there's the right around that same time, that hysterical episode where they park the boat outside the, the yeah. doctor's <laughs> house. I mean, it's, it's hysterical. Uh, what is it, the white caps? Or yeah, something? the white caps. I mean, those, I, I don't know which one it is exactly, but... They all talk about it. When the cast got together, they said like oh, everyone on set that day yeah. was like, what did the we Today just show thing? Yeah. yeah. But that, I mean, that, that episode in itself is great. Um, and then I also probably like, like there's a, there's a side to Tony that I really appreciate. Like the one that comes to mind is, I think it's, isn't it Carmela and Meadow aren't talking Yeah, and Tony goes to the volleyball game. Mm-hmm. and they go to the cathedral and he sits down and the best way I can describe it is he sounds like a conservative dad. in 2020. Yeah. Like he's like, this is built by my ancestors, but you can tell the way that the scene is shot, that he cares. 
when Meadow calls him out for being a mobster, he doesn't want his kids yeah. to know that side of him. Mm-hmm. Like, like he kills a guy on her college trip. Yeah. And he won't let his. I mean, AJ doesn't know. See, that's until not at all. Until Meadow until told wait, him. Until Meadow tells him. There's, there's a big side of him that, that, so do I have a favorite episode? I'd have to go back and think. But the thing that I love the most about it is there is a side to Tony that wants, or else he wouldn't go to a therapist. Yeah. He wouldn't go to a therapist if, if he, because there's that whole, you know, unwritten rule that you can't remember how offended uncle June is when Livia yeah. tells him that he's going to a shrink or whatever he says. And he, my nephew, like what? Like he's not fit. Like there's a lot of stuff. The Tony character is, is it's so deep. I mean, and this goes without saying there's only one dude that could have played him. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. And it's crazy too. He's like, I mean, no, human but like he's so nice like it's such a polar opposite from the actual personality of Gandolfini oh my god, oh my god. but I think I think the I think his character and that goes without saying right I mean he's the it really should have been called Tony Soprano not the Sopranos because he yeah. is very much the show yeah. but I just think that the character development of um even Silvio Silvio's I love great. Silvio like like you don't get to really see much of him but you understand him like, like if that makes sense. But yeah. I think, I think Uncle June, Bobby, and Tony are the most developed characters. Uh, probably forgetting some along the way. I would say Carmela too. Oh, who's the other guy there? The, the King of New York. Carmela's great. Carmela's great. But who's the other guy? Oh my God! Picture him. Carmine. Nope. Not he goes, what fit. is oh, this? The fucking UN now? Johnny Sack. Yeah, Johnny Sack. What is this? The fucking UN now? He is. You want to talk about another character, him and his wife, Ginny, like that, that is a whole other, that could be a whole other show. Like it, it is so, and that, there are oh so God. many different types of when shows. When the FBI finds him and Tony in the back of the house oh, yeah. and they book it in the snow and he gets arrested. And then when he, when he goes to his daughter's wedding, oh my God, she's crying. Dude, I can't, I really can't. Also Chrissy too could have had his own show. For a hundred percent. I mean, they all could have. I mean, it, um, it is a, it is a very... The detail is what it's ridiculous. I can't Uh, watch it again. A lot of people watch it like three times. I can't either. I I haven't done it yet. I watch, I always get through episode one or two because that's when Tony talks to Meadow in the cathedral, like right at the beginning of the show. I love the, you might might run North Jersey, but you don't run your uncle junior soprano. I said that like one summer, I think it was summer 20. You said it to me all the time. Dude, I still, like, I say that all the time to the point where people are like, yeah, 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 we get it. I don't run North Jersey. Yep. I I run North Jersey, but I don't run your uncle junior soprano. The best has to be Chrissy's intervention. Oh, dude, that I mean, that scene is—it's not—it shouldn't be funny. No, it is. It is hysterical. Like when he when he calls his mother the effing you know what, and Paulie and them just flip. <laughs> and then when Tony finds out that he sits on the dog, no, that is hold that up, is hold it. up. You killed the dog. Dog, you you killed Chris. dude. That is. He sat on it when he was high. Right. Yep, that Christ. is. You know who's a good character too? Artie Bucco. Yeah. Ari Bucco's character is pretty good too. I mean, they, they, he, first of all, has marital problems the entire time because he's in debt the whole time too. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he very much is just riding on Tony, the mob though. I mean, yeah. like that's his only business. Nobody goes to that restaurant because the mob goes there it's always and that's what his wife tries to tell him. Like the first season when they, when they give him the, the tickets to get away. Yeah. So the, the murder can happen or whatever at the restaurant. And then they end up blowing up the restaurant to begin with. And then he has the scene where he finds out that Tony blew up the restaurant mm-hmm. and he takes the gun out and tries to kill Tony. 
We should just talk Sopranos. We'll have a Soprano. We'll get Cruz on the line. Yeah. But anyways, that's Rhode Island basketball. That's Rhode Island basketball. Well, that's the Sopranos by way of Rhode Island basketball. Basically, what we're saying is Tony Soprano's Fats Russell. It revolves around him, and it's driven by him. Wow, yeah. yeah. That's how well, you Well, technically, Tony's driven by Christopher Montesanti. And then he's driven by the guy, the big jacked guy that tries to fight him. Remember that scene? <laughs> yeah. He swings at him. That, listen, dude, I don't have to be in the mob to know you don't swing at the boss. I, not a wise decision. All right, well, make sure to listen to Freeman and O'Mara. Yes, please. please. If you've made it this far, please leave a review, sub- uh, subscribe, like the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Coffee with Cardi. Um, anything else, Stone? Um, no, thank you for having me again. Thank you for having me again. You are the first repeat offender. Well, on the show. I appreciate you having me. I know we've probably talked entirely too long. Um, but I think we're I, at like an hour and a half. Yeah, this is this is great. I'm glad you're doing this, Cardi. I know you got some some big things in the works. You want to start this bad boy up again. This is this is great. It's. Uh, you know, it's a good time of year to do it too. We got nothing else to do. Uh, wishing everybody, all your listeners, you, your family, health, safety, prosperity, the whole nine, health more than anything um, right now. So, we'll, uh this is uh, it's gonna it's different now. I, I a lot of people are so optimistic, which you have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, normal's coming. I don't know if it's coming as quickly as we'd like, but normal's coming. Until then, you know, stay well, wear the mask, wash your hands. What do I tell my students, I always say, I always say. Thought, uh, questions. Nobody ever has any questions. Not going to teach Comments. Nobody has any comments. Uh, concerns. They just email me because they're too afraid to tell me to my face. Happy thoughts. Usually that's right. Happy thoughts. Yeah, and I say somebody's going to give me a happy thought, and somebody raise their hand because they can't do anything this year because of COVID, and they raise their hand and be like, "I'm going to go home and watch the office, Mr. Freeman." And I'm like, "All right, cool. All right, that's happy thought." And then I say, "Wear your mask. Wash your hands." Oh, and I always tell them to avoid crowds only because at the beginning of the semester, like every time I turn on Channel 12, it's like, crowd of URI students outside Albies on the top of campus. And I was like, dude, you guys have different things. Like, go sit in a park so the news doesn't get a hold of you, right? I don't know why the hell you're sitting outside Albies. But wear your mask, stay well, wash your hands. Cardi, hopefully you come to Rhode Island soon because I I don't know when I'm leaving the state. So I'm going to make you come here. I'm not going to you. I'm sorry. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. Speak soon. Stay lucky.